Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. We are starting another career call, so before we call our guest, let me go ahead and call Brooke Playtech. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a good time for a cattle call. Great, great. So, Brooke, today we are uh, starting another career call. Uh, today we have a guest that we've been trying to schedule a call with her for a while, but she finally found a time and, and uh, we are going to... Well, I think she was waiting for this. Is is the the way that I she was just waiting for me to call her, uh, Doctor Meredith Harrison. So, uh, so, uh, hello, Meredith. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you, Pedro? Good, good. First of all, thank you very much for accepting our uh, invitation. Like I, I joked, like we've been talking about scheduling this for for a while. Uh, congratulations, uh, Meredith just defended her phd and now it's it's a doctor because we one of the things that we want we want to do we were looking to do is uh was to record with students as well so uh that's that's a new approach that we are going to take uh meredith like i said is not a student anymore so but we we're excited to hear to hear about uh her career so Meredith the first uh quick questions that I that I always ask and and we joke that those are the questions that you're going to answer right there the rest of it you can lie you can do whatever you you want to so uh can you tell us uh where you're from and and what do you do yeah so thank you guys for having me on today I am originally from Columbus Indiana which is about an hour south of Indianapolis And I wasn't raised in an agricultural setting at all. Uh, both my parents worked for Cummins Diesel Engines, and I came to agriculture later in life. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that more later. But I just recently finished up my PhD at the University of California, Davis, in animal biology with an emphasis in feedlot cattle production systems. And I've just started um, my new position as lead scientific advisor at Sealock, and they're based in Rapid City, South Dakota. That's great. Congratulations on finishing your degree and starting the new job. Uh, so, Meredith, can you, like, you, one thing that's interesting, you just mentioned you didn't uh, grow up in, in agriculture. Yeah. Can you tell us, like, How we know like you grew up in Indiana, how did you uh, decide to work in, in agriculture? How, how did it all started in your, in your life? Absolutely. Um, so like I said, I, I didn't grow up on a farm or anything. I lived in town. Um, I was fortunate enough to get to own a horse, but I boarded that horse and I showed in 4-H and was active in FFA, but not really on the livestock side of things. So I went to school and I, I knew I wanted to major in animal science, but I had no idea the opportunities as an incoming freshman, what you could do with an animal science degree. It always just kind of seemed most of my peers wanted to go to vet school. And I knew that that wasn't the course that I was personally interested in. And it was when I was taking a, a course at, Colorado State University. I did my undergrad there that was entitled uh, Live and Dead Valuation. So we would view live animals on a Monday, and it was a class of four, like if you were in a livestock judging competition, 
and you would evaluate those live animals for carcass characteristics. And then in the lab portion on Friday, you would view those same animals hanging as carcasses and you would get to see if your predictions were true. And I think that was the moment that I really realized like, oh my gosh, there's people out there, there's scientists who it's their job to produce our meat supply. And I think that was really what started my my interest in, in livestock production. And I went on from there to intern in the meat laboratory at Colorado State and got to work on a couple of unique projects with grad students. And then that kind of opened the door to, to graduate school and, and continuing my education. That's that's pretty cool. I, w- I will go back a little bit. Uh, and and uh, there are two things here that I think that's it's pretty cool. So like you you said you had a horse and then you that's but like when and you, one one interesting thing to me is like you started in most science not thinking on going to vet school which i think that makes you probably unique among other uh students but <clears throat> so why why in most science like why uh is that just because you like the horse or there was anything else would you said let me give a shot and uh, when you were deciding like uh, to go to a different state, what made you also take that decision, which is something that's uh, not, uh, let's say, usual sure. to happen? So I don't, I just, I guess I knew I wanted to work with animals. Um, maybe at one point had aspirations of being a horse trainer or, or something Um kind of very different than what I do now. So I think naturally, I just kind of decided on animal science. Like I said, not knowing what I would do with it. I always envisioned maybe more on like the marketing side of things. So it was just really great to get into the... I I decided to go out of state. Um, if I stayed in Indiana, I probably would have went to Purdue, which both my parents went to Purdue. It's a great university. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get further from home. Um, no no shame to my family. <laughs> I love them, but I just wanted to, to get out a little bit. So I actually started at Oklahoma State, and then I ended up transferring to Colorado State. So that's something else I would encourage people, you know, if you're if you're not happy in one university, um, look into others. Transferring is is a great thing. Well, that that's that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, and those taking decisions to go out of state, uh, going far from home, it's something. And also uh, deciding to move, it's another big step. And and that's, I'm sure you learned a lot uh, by taking those decisions. It was probably not like super easy, but as any other hard decision is, is uh, you grow a lot with them. And uh, like you mentioned during those carcass evaluation classes, when you were taken, then you mentioned that's, that's when I'm assuming that's when you got, uh, became passionate for uh, the cattle industry to work with, with the beef industry in general, but like doing that. So you were doing carcass evaluation. Were you thinking on, uh, doing something with nutrition or were you passionate about like meat in general? Yeah. Like- so I think in, initially I was, I was very passionate about the, the meat science side of things. And I definitely, I still am. It was very, I'm, I love to cook. So I think the, 
um, desire to kind of look at steaks and whatnot kind of came hand in hand. So really had an interest in the meat science side of things. I looked into pursuing a, a master's in meat science. I interned at the JBS Greeley um, beef harvest facility, and I worked on the grade chain there and did a couple different projects as an intern. So that was a great experience. But I think during that time working as an intern was really when I realized you, once the cattle come to the plant, they are what they are. And we don't have any ability to make changes that that's going to be further up the supply chain. So that was kind of what shifted my interest from what you would maybe say is meat science to the actual feedlot production area. And I pursued my master's in, in beef cattle production systems. And that was a really more broad going from cow calf to the feedlot sector and then eventually specializing in feedlot research for my PhD. One thing that that's I know about your career and jump that pretty quick, and I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit more. Uh, so I have two questions now. Uh, one, why grad school? Uh, and you're probably going to mention something. And you had a gap between your master's and PhD, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience? Yeah. So, you know, why grad school? That's a, that's a good question because I actually didn't, I didn't always know that I wanted to go to grad school. I interviewed um, with JBS directly after my internship and looked at going into their training program, uh, working for them. And it, grad school wasn't an easy decision. I think ultimately for my long Long-term goals for what I saw myself, I, I was really interested in research ultimately. So to, to be able to make a career with research, it was really going to require some further education. And that was why I went to um, pursue my master's at, at Colorado State. And then after finishing my master's, I went to work for Five Rivers Cattle Feeding And I worked as a technical services analyst for them um, based out of their, their corporate office. But I actually was fortunate enough to get to spend a lot of time at the, the Greeley feed yard. Um, everything from uh, driving a feed truck and feeding cattle. I have some funny stories about that. I'm sure some people at Five Rivers would have some funny stories, too. Um, but I got to work with the feeding department and the milling department. I did a lot of analyzing for large scale research trials. And I think that experience has been very, very invaluable to my ultimate research as a PhD student and then future career now. So, uh, one, like you already mentioned that this opportunity, uh, was very valuable to your career later on but how hard was uh like finishing masters going to industry then deciding okay i want to go back to grad school this is i'm sure wasn't an easy decision we've had people that we've talked before that they they've done that we've had people that i know that they said you know what i finished my masters figured out that research wasn't for me uh and and i'm assuming it's not easy like thinking about going to a classroom, becoming a grad school again. It's it's not like, it, it, the, even even the salary is not uh, <laughs> as good as, as you probably had. But how 
how was that decision and how hard was to come back to grad school? Um, it was, it was so hard. I remember, you know, the time of year it was that I was trying to make the decision. And, and so ultimately before I even took position with five rivers, I, I had knew I had applied to UC Davis and I had thought I had made peace with it that I'm going to go work for five rivers. And ultimately I obviously changed my mind. Um, it was just thinking about, goals I had for myself. I think that was a, a huge thing. And uh, as an, an undergrad, I didn't really think five years down the road, 10 years down the road, what I want to accomplish. Came back to needing that, that PhD. And the thing that I think eventually pushed me over the edge and had me willing to commit to going back to school, like you said, taking that pay cut, which is a hard thing going back to, um, you know, just not having your, your weekends free and just working all the time. Everything that comes with a grad student was finding a, a really good mentor. And that was something that was really, really important for me. And so I was fortunate enough to get to work with uh, Dr. Jim Olchin at UC Davis and the ability to, have full uh, autonomy over my my project and my program and and getting to do the research that I wanted to do was what sold me as a, a master student um, like most I I didn't get to choose my project and I was very passionate about it but the PhD really afforded me the opportunity to dig into some some research interests that I personally had. Well, that's that's great. For those of you who are listening to us, we actually interviewed Dr. Ochin a year ago. So December last year, Dr. Ochin was uh, was our guest here, and it's great that you mentioned because that would let you, that would lead to my to my next question. That is, uh, you you've been to two different graduate programs, uh, and and what I'm sure in each of those programs, you and even. In the industry, you've had uh, good mentors. So, can you tell us a little bit how much those people uh, influence your career, and also how do you think, like giving advices to find good uh, mentors? How how do you seek for them? How do you feel that's a good strategy to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the the earlier in your in your academic career and your professional career that you can find a, a mentor, the better. And I didn't really have a consistent mentor until I got to my master's program. But I think if, if you are an undergrad listening and you can find one sooner, that's, that's great. Some strategies that I would use is finding uh, common research interests. So making sure that you guys are interested in the same thing um, and trying to find someone who is open to maybe your, your learning style, how you receive feedback, you know, every, everybody's different. So personally for me, that meant um, I really have a, I'm a, I'm a self-guided learner. I don't like someone that micromanages. I like someone that's willing to give me a little freedom. So trying to make sure that the, the mentor of your choosing 
um, aligns with your philosophies and your learning methods. I think that's really important. And just that if you can connect with them on a, a personal level, I think that makes it a lot easier to um, approach them with, with different kinds of things. Um, along those same lines, I would say like just networking in general is huge. Even if someone isn't exactly your mentor, for example, establishing those relationships. So later on in your, your career, you can, you can be on a, a podcast maybe. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's, uh, those are, uh, are very, very good points. And, uh, I'm sure that's a, a, a challenge moment finding someone that's going to to help you later on. Uh it's is crucial. And and being successful like you are at such a young age, I'm sure those guys played a big a big role. And also knowing Dr. Ochin, he he's a phenomenal mentor. Uh and yeah. Uh one I was gonna yeah, say go along those same lines, um, you know, mentors from a, a variety of settings is good too. So I had Dr. Olchin, obviously, as my academic mentor, um, but my boss during my time that I worked at Five Rivers, Dr. Tony Bryant, um, he's been a, a great mentor as well. So just trying to find, you know, people from a variety of, of, of fields, different backgrounds, different perspectives are only going to help your development. Well, that's that's great to know and uh, good to hear Uh your your opinion about that moving on uh, on your career meredith like you mentioned you you've passed to through different universities uh you went to the industry you came back to grad school and you said early in our conversation that you just started a new job can you just tell us uh I'm, i know that's being like i don't know two weeks a couple of weeks a month uh, you probably can tell us a little bit more but I will, I will go back a little bit. How was finishing school and looking for a job? And you mentioned about some of your network. Do you think that helped you finding the job? Uh, for those of you uh, who are listening, Meredith actually got the job before finishing her degree, which is awesome. So it's really good. How how was that search? And just if you can move a little bit, how it's been like those first days of work? What do you think you've been doing? And, and yeah, what do you think you're going to be doing later on as well? Yeah. So, um, I, like you mentioned, I, I, um, got the job while I was still trying to finish up my PhD, which was really, um, motivating to get <laughs> stuff wrapped up. Um, it was, it's just good to finally be done, but it was a, I think the, the first initial decision I kind of had to decide was industry versus academia. And I applied for, for both types of positions, um, faculty positions at universities, as well as um, positions like the current one that I'm in. And I've always heard different perspective from different mentors on, on which you should do, why, um, you know, there's some, some misconceptions, I think, that it can be hard to go back to academia if you go industry first. So I admit some of my mentors were like really pushing the academia route, which was, was hard because I didn't end up going that way. 
Um, but I think those thought processes are something that's important to talk about with people who are going out looking for jobs. So I think one, have an, have an open mind. I wasn't like committed one way or the other. Like I really, really want to go to industry. And I entertained both options, interviewed both places, like I said. And then it became down to, like I mentioned before, like where do I see myself five years from now? Um, what are my, my current interests right now? And ultimately this industry position with CLOC, I think was perfect for me. So I'll tell you a little bit about um, what I do for CLOC. Um, my title is lead scientific advisor, and I've only been with them for two weeks, but I am in a unique position that I get to work with our, our sales and marketing team to provide uh, recommendations for clients, um, help bring new clients on board with scientific information, different studies that have been done. I really need to stay current on all the literature but I also have a very strong analytical background. So doing um, some different modeling work, uh, big data analytics, data mining, trying to combine these data streams from our multiple pieces of precision livestock equipment to really paint that full picture for producers. And I, what I really like about this role is that I'm still involved in research, even though that I am in industry, I get to collaborate with a variety of um, industry, uh, academia, uh, government agencies. So lots of different opportunities, which I think is pretty unique. That's pretty cool. And what, what's been the, the biggest challenge so far? Like you've had something that said, oh, that's something I like. I know you're probably going. If if we have this conversation a year from now, this probably going to change. But what, what have you had any uh, thing that you said? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I think that just it's a lot of 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 new stuff to try and take in at once, and I have really high expectations for myself. So just trying to slow down like get the lay of the land. And I thought I would be doing some really fancy modeling things here in my second week, but just to, just to learn from people and take, take it all in and know that there's, there's time. I think that's been an adjustment for me as, as a PhD student, you know, we're, seems like we're juggling so many projects at once and now I have a lot less on my plate. So just just trying to learn, navigate the new role. Um, the South Dakota weather, it's pretty challenging too. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I imagine that. But So what is your favorite thing so far? Like, is there anything that's, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think the, the opportunities and the, the vision for the company um, getting into some of these commercial spaces are, are really what excites me. Um, the opportunity to know I'm, I'm making a difference. And, and again, I think if you were to ask me this two, two months from now, I could probably um, say it a lot more eloquently, but just really excited for 
for um, new opportunities with this new position. That's that's great, uh, and it's it's really cool, Meredith. Like like one one of the things that I I think that I, the only thing that I I'm thinking here and we didn't talk about is, and I always also like I also like to ask that always is. It seems like you you've all like you're now in the industry. You have been in academia for a little bit also, but you've also been in connection with the industry, like doing internship and things like that. Just uh, again, there are students who listen to us. And before we move on to our final questions, can you tell us, you mentioned about network and things like that, how much doing internship and how much being connected with the industry has helped you to be where you are today? Yeah, I think I think my industry where I am today. Um, so the initially that internship that I had with with JBS really propelled my whole career. It was through through recommendations through them and my master's advisor that I was able to get in with Five Rivers. Um, with those connections, I was able to do some different consulting work through my PhD, work with uh, Blue Ocean Barns and Precision Livestock Technologies, which are both um, awesome startup kind of companies. And now it's really coming back full circle. I think I'll get to hopefully collaborate with people down the road. And those, those industry connections and internship opportunities I think that's the most important thing for some of those undergraduate listeners. Um, take take opportunities, you know, and maybe you have to get your foot in the door somewhere and doing some of the, the grunt work, but the, the grass is definitely greener on the other side. That's great. And I, that, I think that's a, a good uh, one of the final messages. I think that's pretty good, like being uh, out there and exposed to different uh opportunities and experiences are it's it's really good do you have any any questions brooke before we move on to the final questions no that was great information yeah i and and again for those of you who are wondering what meredith did in, did during her phd we are going to record another episode just so she can tell us uh more about this and uh probably some of her work working uh with private companies as well but so Meredith, is there anything else that we are like about your career that you would like to mention that you think that's it's good to leave uh, to our listeners? Um, you know, I would just say keep keep your LinkedIn active, and that that sounds kind of silly, um, but that's actually how I got my job with Sealock was through LinkedIn. Um, they they found my profile, they reached out to me, so. Um, make sure you're, you're, you're keeping up on it. Even if you're not looking for a position, you just never know what might come out of it. And I think that really goes back to the, just the networking thing, um, going to conferences, meetings. And as an undergrad, I really felt like I was the shy to be seen as um, asking a stupid question and there are no stupid questions. So go, people are always happy to talk to young students, um, network, introduce yourselves to people. I would really encourage that. 
Yeah, that's a great, great advice. Uh, to move on now, we have three uh, final, uh, we say that's uh, quick answers, but it's sometimes it's, it takes longer, sometimes not. But uh, you mentioned that you like to cook. So uh, what is your favorite food? Oh, favorite food. It's it's tough, but I would say um, it's not beef. I'll admit that. <laughs> a Like a, a Nashville hot fried chicken sandwich. So some people might not know what that is, but it's um, from, from Nashville, Tennessee, and it typically has like coleslaw and pickles on a bun. Um, it's very good. That's probably my favorite food. And when you are the cooker, what is your specialties? Um, I'm, I'm very good on the barbecue with a smoker. So maybe, um, yeah, like some smoked ribs, brisket, that kind of thing. Okay, that's great. Uh, what is the type of song that usually plays in your radio or phone, something that you like to listen? I'll sing it for... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, um, I listen to all kinds of music. I admit, uh, recently it's been like a lot of classic rock kind of stuff. Cool. It's what my dad listened to, so... That's nice. Uh, so now more a philosophical question. Uh What is something that you would uh, like to go back in time and tell your uh, younger self, especially when you're finishing, perhaps uh, undergrad, finishing college? What is something that you know today that you would like to know back then? Oh, I would say to to get get comfortable being uncomfortable. That there's a, a lot of times in your career you're going to go through growth and 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 changes and. It's not it's not gonna be comfortable, but it's it's necessary. It's gonna get you further ahead in your career and along those same lines to to set goals. Um, I think that's something I never really did for myself and until I sat down with a mentor and they were like, well what are what are your goals for you know short term and long term? What are the steps that you're taking those smart, you know actionable kind of goals and That was a, a process I had never really done. And since I have started doing that, it's just um, a nice way to kind of track where you came from and, and make progress. So set goals for yourself. And and then it's fun to look back and see what you've accomplished. That's awesome. Great, great advice. Uh, so uh, the last thing, no, there's another thing. That, one of the last things now is our Kettle Call Top Tip. We always ask our guests to leave us with uh, something that they, I mean, we've received books, um, audiobooks, and even advice, get outside, uh, exercise, or things like that. It's a tip that we would like to leave our listeners with. Uh, can be a book, a paper, uh, something else that maybe forgetting here, Brooke, if you remember. But it's something that we would like to recommend to our listeners to go out there and just do this. Yeah. Um, well, I, I admit I had initially kind of thought of um, just a, a Netflix show that I really liked. It was Michael Pollan's Cooked. Um, I've mentioned I really like cooking and he talks about um, kind of cooking with the three main or four main elements. And I think that's a, a unique series. But on a more nerdy note, I would recommend um, 
especially for younger listeners to, to really um, let yourself try to enjoy statistics that um, it's something <laughs> you guys are laughing at me, but I said it was nerdy. Um, I think my, I hated statistics as an undergrad and now I, I really, really love statistics. So, so give it a chance, even if you hated it early on, it will get you very, very far in your career. If you can know something about statistics, be able to interpret it, um, that would be my advice to listeners probably is brush up on your statistical prowess. Very, very nice tip. I should have listen to that 10 years ago but <laughs> less uh but not least you mentioned about your linkedin uh and how can people reach out to you like social media follow some of your work that you're doing now with c-log uh can you just share with us email or contact information anything that's if someone wants to contact you yeah absolutely so um my linkedin is a great way And you should be able to find me through my email on LinkedIn, I think. It's my CLOC e email address that I'm um, just typing in the chat here. And that's a, a, a great way to follow up on any of my recent research publications. And then, like I said, the work I'm doing with CLOC as well. Okay, perfect. We will put that is mharrison at clocinc.com, right? c-lockin.com. Uh, we will leave those information in the description of the episode. So if someone uh, wants to reach out to you, hopefully they can contact you and, and that's all. So thank you very much, Meredith. Uh, any final message, any final thoughts? No, thank you so much for, for having me here today. This has been great. Yeah, it's been fun. So we appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk to us. We are looking forward to listening about your Uh, the things that you've done during grad school, some of your work, some of the cool research that you did. So that's that's really, really nice. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brooke. Uh, and remember, it's always a good time for a kettle call. Whispers are a jingling, a cowboy is singing this lonesome kettle call.